Hello, and welcome to Podcasting Smarter. This episode is a replay of our live event, Winning at Sports, a live conversation with BBC Podcasts, featuring Eliza Skinner of On the Podium and Crystal Genesis of the upcoming Untold Legends Aura. On this live panel, we'll discuss what creating shows for the BBC looks like, capturing those special sports stories and what makes them unique, production and what it looks like to create interview shows, up to large-scale narrative documentaries, and so much more. Stay tuned, and here we go. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to the Storytelling Podcast Week, August live panel, Winning at Sports with BBC Podcasts. My name is Norma Jean Belenke. I'm the head of events here at Podbean, and we are so excited to have you here today. I'm going to read our brief intro, and then we will get started with our amazing guests. So hello and welcome. Welcome back, everyone, to Storytelling Podcast Week and our August Roundtable, Winning at Sports, with BBC Podcasts featuring Eliza Skinner of On the Podium and Crystal Genesis of the upcoming Untold Legends, Aura. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, Storytelling Podcast Week has live stream sessions like this one with top podcasters and storytellers from scripted fiction and nonfiction podcasts from across our world and our imaginations. We also have exclusive recorded episodes on the Storytelling Podcast Week podcast and Podbean's official podcast, Podcasting Smarter. We are brought to you by Podbean. We're a podcast hosting and monetizing platform and home to over 600,000 podcasts. To start your podcast, head over to podbean.com today. Hello and welcome. Now we'll jump in. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Good. How are you? Very well. Good. We are so excited to have you both here today. So just jumping in for those who may not be familiar with you and your work, tell us about yourselves and how you each got into podcasting and the podcast that we'll be talking about today. Um, Eliza, let's start with you and on the podium. Um, great. Uh, I am Eliza Skinner. I am a comedian and comedy writer based out of LA. Um, and I'm one of the co-hosts of On the Podium for the BBC World Service. Um, and the way that I got into that is I had another podcast called Cool Playlist, which was all about music. Uh, it was me talking to musicians and mostly comedians, just other interesting creative people and making playlists for very specific life moments of events, whatever, like taking your dog for a walk or wearing a new jacket. Uh, and I stopped doing that, but I guess people would listen to it. And I guess one of them was Joel Hammer from the BBC. And so when he was planning this new podcast, he contacted me and was like, do you want to, do you want to host this podcast? And I was like, I know nothing about sports. And he was like, <laughs> I do, I'll do that part. And I was like, okay. And it worked out. He, I would never have thought of it or thought of me for this, but he, he had a good idea. So that's how I got Amazing. into this. Yeah. It's so interesting that you just talked about not having much like knowledge of sports because that's exactly like me. So when I first saw this, I was thinking, <laughs> oh, this is going to be like, how am I going to get do this? Um, but yeah, my background is in journalism. I like studied it. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But what I knew is that I liked talking to people and finding out what they were thinking, feeling. I could always like sense the mood, you know. So I was always like interested in that. And I liked socializing as well and a huge music fan as well. Um, so and I come from a kind of musical family. So sound has always been something that's quite natural. And I was actually at the BBC for about eight years, working across local, national, and international news was in DC for a while. 
So I kind of come from a very traditional background, but then podcasting was obviously becoming like huge. I remember 2016, so many things were happening in the world, in the Western world. And I think it made sense to try and provide something that I'm really passionate about. I also studied global history as well, like a global perspective, basically. Um, mostly transatlantic, of course, but um, because that's where I'm based. But I wanted it to be um, a platform that kind of celebrated arts, culture, current affairs, and just narratives that you don't really see much in mainstream. And it was like a DIY project. It's still quite DIY. Loads of people like to be on it, but it's kind of small in a sense. But I think what people like about it is the fact that our audience is kind of quite dedicated as opposed to having like a big audience who might not necessarily like follow what you're doing so yeah that was a very DIY project didn't make any money for the first year then started to make money then a bunch of people said do you want to start making podcasts for us so I ended up setting up a company and then the dream one of the dreams is to then go back to uh, auntie aka BBC and make make my own thing there uh, and I can tell you a bit more about that uh, further along so in a way it just so happened that I'm in the position of doing uh what i'm doing but yeah i basically spend all day like listening to sound or writing about it or trying to <laughs> that's basically all i do and try and look after my children as well <laughs> yeah absolutely it sounds like you're an audiophile and i love that you both have such different backgrounds and that's you know what's so great about podcasting right it's something where you know you can come from a traditional journalism background and you can you know really t have that take and have that eye with it and also you know it can start out with something like hey I made this, I made this cool podcast about playlists, right? Whether it's about, you know, defining those life moments and celebrating them with your audience. So amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, and yeah, I want to talk such a, uh, I think there's no, just no, such a vast audience for podcasts um, and people who process the world different ways and process stories different ways. And so they, they want to hear about the same subjects, but in different ways, like the, kind of person who would listen to my podcast and it sounds like also Crystal's podcast about sports is probably not this going to be have the same reaction to like a, a sports center type of thing but it's all the same the same subject but like, absolutely absolutely yes and I think it's something where you know talking about today we're here to talk about sports stories and you both really tell those kind of like in-depth behind the scenes you know, stories, especially Crystal, I want to get into Untold Aura because that's about one specific person. <laughs> but Eliza, on, on your end with On the Podium, you know, you're hearing from different people every week. Um, and that kind of brings me into my next question. You know, what have you learned along the way in terms of what sports mean to us and how sports stories in particular make an impact? Um, wow. I've learned a, a lot. I, as I said, I was never a sports fan myself. I never, I tried to, and like watching sports, I was always like, I don't know what I'm supposed to watch. Do I watch their legs or the ball or what, what is it? <laughs> yeah. And then finding out the stories made it so much more interesting because I'm like, oh, this, this moment I'm watching is just part of a larger narrative. Um, and it's just a very visceral way to see people um, go up against obstacles and either meet them and succeed them, or more often, far more often, not meet them, and then how they recover from that and how they keep going. And so, I mean, I guess it's taught me that we are all, we're all doing that all the time. Um, and a lot of times we're doing it privately and sometimes just in our own heads. And these are people who are doing them 
doing that on the world stage. Their failures and their successes are in front of an, a stadium full of people or and or uh, everyone watching at home all over the world. And they have to emotionally process that. It's not about the physical. It's very, I mean, they spend a lot of time training for the physical, <laughs> but yeah. it's also so much about the emotional. Uh, even my one question about um, sports before I did all of this was I remember watching people play basketball in the park and being like, these people are really good. This is, I'm impressed. I don't know much, but this is impressive. <laughs> yeah. And then watching a basketball game on TV at a friend's house and thinking, I think maybe the difference, one of the big differences between the people in the park and the people on TV are that the people on TV are able to do what the people at the park do on TV, like with all of the extra pressure, yeah. all of the extra, the money, the, the P, all of their, their managers and families and fans counting on them. They're able to still perform just as cleanly. Um, and that I think was one of the first things that fascinated me about just the mindset of, of athletes in sport. Absolutely. And you guys interview a lot of people on, on the podium who, you know, it's what, what I love about the show is that you really do get that greater narrative, right? You, you, you start with the moment, right? <laughs> the moment of glory or the moment of defeat or, you know, just that world, the moment on the world stage pretty much. And it's so interesting to see, you know, what goes into that and what it takes. And, and, you know, some of that, like you were saying, is maybe the difference between people who can do it in front of a camera and maybe some of the difference is people who spend years and you know, years of their lives, I want to say months and years, but years and years of their lives um, to to learn how to just block it out and be in the moment and, and be goal focused. Um, okay, Crystal, now I want to talk about Untold Aura because this is <laughs> Untold Legends Aura. It's super exciting. It's a new show coming out from BBC Podcast. Tell us a little bit about the show and Aura Washington and what drew you to her story. Yeah, well, actually, it was the BBC. They sent out a pitch um, I don't think, well, maybe I would have, because I do like histories, female histories, like blacks, but you know, I'm interested in so many different things. So maybe I would have come across this story, but she was a sports star, basketball oh, yeah. and tennis, smashed it in both uh, fields. Um, and I don't know anything about tennis or basketball. <laughs> We're really doing actually, well on sports, aren't we today? <laughs> I was like, how is this happening? But actually, um, so anyway, so we pitched it. And and the thing is, there's nothing really out there from Aura. Like, there's not many interviews with her. So that was like, I can talk to you all about some of the issues. But like that was obviously going to be really challenging. But then I was thinking, like, you know, I have a lot of knowledge in, obviously, journalism. And yeah. also, uh, I also come from a bit of an arts background as well. I used to work at South Bank Centre and work in curation for different art forms and things like that. So I kind of felt like if, like, you know, I know how to tell stories in a creative, interesting way. Um, I love history. Um, I've worked with actors. So I was thinking, okay, maybe we can have it where we sort of build it out a bit and we rely on the archive, you know. I remember spending, um, you know, a, a year in like the news archives and things like that so I was thinking we can pull clips of where people have talked about her like there's a really creative interesting way of doing this not just me by the way like a whole team of people which is very important to say um so I think they liked the way that we were approaching the story that was different like very creative very ambitious <laughs> she says after working on it for such a long time very ambitious but I think it's important to always aim like really really high if you're trying to do this especially when you're trying doing untold stories you, know, you have to be particularly sensitive there's like so many other considerations 
Um, and yeah, Aura is an incredible woman. I don't want to say too much because you have to listen. But I suppose, <laughs> I'm going to ask for. Say, I'm going to ask for. I'm going to ask for spoilers later. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> yeah, she's just an extraordinary woman who's kind of just been forgotten, and we all know um, Althea Gibson. Um, but she was like before her, so you know when America was segregated. So in a way, through her story, we're trying to tell part of the story about American history as well. Also, what it is like as well to be a, a, a Black American, but also um, uh, you know it's been documented a queer woman um working class woman like all these different things while you're trying to make it in somewhere like you know tennis which has a, a particular reputation or isn't necessarily accessible to lots of different people so anyway we're really trying to tell a story of sports uh women's history american history politics all through this woman's story and it's great to also as i said go through the archives because it can tell you a lot about the time what people were thinking and feeling and so that's kind what, of how we're doing was that um well oral was well this is another thing where no one's entirely sure when she was born because um many people back then were, were not given birth certificates but she was born we think 1898 so this is the 20s 30s but there's a whole bigger story wow. as well in terms of how extraordinary she was and when you were talking earlier when you're saying about what you've learned from like doing sport or like interviewing these people um something i've which is kind of what you touched on as well is just the, the dedication that they have and like how competitive they are obviously they're competitive to get so be so good but like so like one track mind you know like and put themselves under that kind of pressure and when you were talking about everyone's watching it's also about the fact that they're like money making machines as well mm -hmm. or it wasn't we can talk about why or yeah. when you listen you'll know more but um you know a lot of these people are like money making machines everyone's relying on them and i think it would personally be uh, a nightmare to be honest but um i was i'm really impressed by um just the sheer like determination and grit to like succeed through sport and also another thing really quickly which i want to add in sport as well which i never thought about before but it is seen as a kind of well people obviously see it as a level playing field obviously i don't know if that's 100 true you, know, you need to buy shoes and there's so many other things even if you're not mm -hmm. doing like sailing or you know or whatever you know something that requires a lot of kit but something that i think is quite true actually in a way much more than the arts or journalism or anything like that where so many people were let in 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 the industry through like parents or friends of friends yeah um and uh i think in sport you have to be good like you have to be good whereas i think in journalism or arts you don't actually have to be that good like you can just have that staying hey. power <laughs> <laughs> no, no i don't think it, you don't i don't think i think like a lot of people a lot of people not you don't have to not like i think in sports it's a different it's a different thing right there's there, there, there's a timer in sports there's there's very clear metrics and like, not only yeah. there's a timer but i also think like just for instance in journalism like there's just like longevity if you can just like wait around for ages and ages and ages on Eventually a freelance contract where someone people won't exactly there's like so many different things or the support that you can get there's lots of different ways yeah. that make it completely different to sport and that for me has been like so eye-opening and um and it's been great actually to see that well, one of the interesting things, you know, when you speak about how competitive they are, um, that I've been seeing, even just in the two years of doing uh, on the podium, is how much they have moved away from it. I mean, I think that that that's because that's it, it's novel for them, um, and so this is that's what they're talking about because they do have that competitive yeah. thing really deeply in them. But there is a lot more of really valuing the community that they have with other athletes, not even just people on their team, but people who are like doing the same sport, people that they see at different meets over and over. And, um, 
and as a I in doing this find a lot of similarities between what they do and what I do as a stand-up comedian. Um, same sort of thing. Like when I'm doing my stand-up, I'm alone on the stage, but the other comedians that are at the back of the room that I see at shows over and over that, you know, we we go up to festivals together, that's that's a community. And I think in the past that stuff has not been really valued or highlighted. Um, and it has been all like achieve, achieve, achieve. And now we're getting to a place where it's like, we also have to have a community and yeah. and lift each other up because we're the ones who know exactly what this is like. We know exactly how hard it is and we know exactly how high the high. Um, so I think that's that's been an interesting evolution that, that I, I've been able to see. Absolutely. And I, I love how you both speak to I mean, it's really a meritocracy, right? When you talk about sports, it's the the ultimate meritocracy. Whoever gets across the line first is the fastest. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. really it. You know, it's very clear in that regard. Um, but one I, of I, our uh, oh, sorry, no, no, please, yeah. Well, one of the episodes that we did this season, I think it was the first one of the season. Uh, Gianmarco Tamberi, I think, um, had yeah. he um, he shared a gold medal with another um, competitor who he'd been, you know, they're, they're best friends. They, they, they were in each other's weddings. They talk on the phone all the time, but they got down to this moment of, all right, we're to decide who gets the gold medal. We're going to need to, to go into another round and, or, and they, they were the ones who were like, actually, could we just share this medal? Yeah. And we talked to him about, Hey, there are a lot of people that kind of were upset about this and they wanted to know who is the best. You guys should have taken it to the limit and figured out the very winner winner. And he was like, I understand it. They're, I, I get that they're right. But also this was right too. Um, yeah. So it was a really, really beautiful kind of gray area that people are, are finding. Uh, I find it. Absolutely. And I was just about to say, I love how you speak to the community aspect of it. You know, it's like, even, even if it's a singular sport, you may be in it on your own and even podcasting, right? <laughs> it's you and the mic. But at the same time, it also speaks to the the fact that everyone else in podcasting is also, you know, has that singular experience as well. And that in, in and of itself is a shared experience. Yeah. And I think the more that you acknowledge that, the more you can invest in it. I was watching, to get right off topic, um, <laughs> Lizzo's series. Have you, have you seen that? Um, I haven't like, actually. Make I Way for the Big Girls. Yes. It. Yes. Look it's the dancing head. competition. Yes. Yeah. I need to watch um, that. So and, good. It's a great show. I love it because, partly because they don't eliminate somebody every episode. They eliminate people when they need to be eliminated. But it's really about like finding the best, not yeah. pushing people in that yeah. forced elimination way. But the reason I bring it up is because you get to see Lizzo's team and how she works. And as a solo artist, she's somebody who it looks like from the outside, wow, how can she the, do all of that? Right. And then you see like, oh, she can do all of that because she's assembled an amazing team and she lets them exactly. be her team. Um, and the, the, and she's, she's so invested in that, it's allowed her to, to push herself along. I think there's a lot of these artistic um, pursuits that we think, oh, I gotta be a lone wolf because that's, that's what you see from the outside. Um, 
And yeah. just really quickly on that, as you remind me, that's another like tiny thing that I like about podcasting as well, is that they just make sure everyone gets a credit, even if they just listen to a mix, you know, listen to, sorry, uh, listen to an, a podcast before it goes live, um, when I say a mix. Um, and I think that's really, really important. And yeah, this team that I have was, was it was a big, big team. And I think it's much more generous compared to radio in that way. Like I remember like when I was in the newsroom and some people would be like, God, they've got so many people on those credits. And it's like, yeah, because you didn't include younger staff members because you didn't want to. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I think like, that's what I like, again, podcasts is what it initially started off as. It's like so exciting and, and it's still open, you know, but it's like the people who were like different <laughs> or had different ideas or didn't mm. fit or have similar ideas of taste they took out that space. And, and I think you can just tell just from the community that you do have in podcasting, you know, that it's just such a nicer, welcoming space. And anyway, it just reminded me when you were saying that. No, I love that. And that kind of segues into the second half of my question. So what have, what have you each learned along the way in regard to podcasting in terms of production and, and storytelling? I um, could talk about this forever. <laughs> <laughs> We're just like almost finishing the mixes now. Do you know what? I think it's it's hard. I think that's the one thing. I do love challenges and like problem solving. Sometimes I'm like, maybe I'm yeah. kind of a bit addicted to it and I just need to like chill. <laughs> but um, it's, it's very challenging. Staffing is really challenging as well. Like doing it during COVID, like you have illness. Um, so many things that you can't prevent like so many things you can't prevent. I wouldn't even like go into it. So that like has an impact. Then you have to, you need, you need to have, make sure you've got, you have your fact checkers, you've got your researchers, you know, it's all about just making sure that, or trying to make sure that I suppose everyone's as invested as you, but then it's hard, right? Cause you're kind of like, no one's ever going to be invested as the person that like runs the company sort of thing. But there's that balance as well between like keeping everyone invested, but then trying to stick to the schedule. So there's like the people managing aspect, I think is probably one of the most challenging because we're all different, right? We've all been managed badly. We've all been managed in a good way. And I, I think um, micromanage is probably one of the worst things ever. So I'm like sensitive to that. So people managing, I think is one of the difficult ones. Budgets, always making sure you've got your contingency. Thank God, budgets have all been fine. Although we've had to extend how long it takes in terms of the production. You know, there's lots of technical stuff like rights and, you know, you just make sure you've got a legal team that you can go to. Basically, you just have to be very organized. And it's a challenge because everyone comes to you to firefight. But when you listen to that show and you hear it, and you hear all the work from the sound design to the archive, to the newspaper clippings, to the actors, to the beautiful lines of script, to our host tracking, you feel really proud and you feel so happy to have been part of it, you know? And again, I'm like one tiny person out of loads, a huge team. But yeah, that's what I would say. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> well, well kind, of, kind of jumping off of uh, what Crystal said, I, I would say recognize what it is that you're good at and what you're not good at and forgive yourself for it and address that. So like, I'm good at being on the mic. I am terrible at producing. So I need to get a producer because for a long time I was like, I can do it all. I can do it all. And I just never got anything done because I would be like, I'm so, I'm so dumb that I don't know how to do this part of it. And then once I started being like, all right, I need to find somebody to do those parts. Yeah. Everything moves so much faster um, from the one that I, the, the podcast that I did on my own with my producer, Aristotle Acevedo, um, to this, the BBC one where I'm like, I could never do any of this stuff. It's such a gift to have all that production work. Um, for other, for other things, uh, 
I, I would say uh, I, I like treating guests like guests. And I think that's an important thing for people to remember. I've been a guest on podcasts and um, not been treated like a guest. Um, and it, it, that's you know, in the same way that you invite somebody into your home, you would want them to have a good time. You would want them to feel good being there. Um, and I think that's, that, that is a big part of hosting that um, people don't always think about. Um, and also always keep a pad next to you <laughs> and a pen. You can like roll out so you don't interrupt anybody. <laughs> you can remember what it was you wanted to say. Uh, also, um, I can have also for days, just as Crystal said, like this, I could be like. <laughs> no, that's why we're here. Not to interrupt, but that's why we're here to have this conversation. All right. Well, I'll keep going then. Um, I would say uh, there are a wealth of stories out there that have not been told. Again, Crystal kind of touched on this because for so long, one kind of story was being told. A story about straight white men who are already famous, so, or anybody who's already famous because that's gonna get clicks. But that means that there are all of these stories just sitting around waiting for somebody to find them and be like, have you heard about this person? Oh my gosh, this is wild what they've been able to do. So there's still plenty out there in all sorts of different subjects. And I think, I think approaching it that way is, uh, is a lot more interesting, whether that means you get to be a detective and find the stories or whether that means that you get to be um, an artist and an author of crafting the stories or um, a, an impresario that gets to be the first person or one of the first person to introduce these cool guests to the world, to people who didn't know them before. That's, uh, that's thrilling for me. And I think keeping that in mind is uh, is a is a great way to approach it because that's how I approach it. So of course it's great. Um, also, <laughs> my last little note I had written down is, if you're in a position where you're telling stories about something that that didn't wasn't on your list of interests that you didn't think interested you, like as I said, sports that wasn't that wasn't on my short list of my hobbies, my interests. Find out how it interests you. Find out what it is about it. Um, because for me, it was all that, the stuff going on in people's heads and hearts. And, um, and especially again in the second season, pe seeing people relax into being able to tell you their truth instead of just telling you their glossy, this is the PR thing that I'm supposed to say. Uh, and I talked it over with my coach and now it's like, I get to just be a person. And that's fascinating to me. And if you're interested, then your audience is going to be interested too. Mm. Sorry, I turned oh, I love that. into advice, not just what no. I that was so <laughs> eloquent. No, Eliza, that was that was beautiful. And actually, there's a couple. There are a couple of follow up questions, and I want to ask them all at once. Very <laughs> okay. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go one at a time. Um, but and and we'll we'll circle back to to Crystal in a second because Crystal, I do want to talk about the length of time it takes to produce the kind of work that we're talking about with untold aura and, you know, just the, the production value that you're talking about with sound design and, and all of that. Um, but I, I want to ask this next question because you kind of, you know, just really addressed it head on, um, about, you know, the stories that haven't been told in the past. And as women who are telling these stories, you know, the two of you, how do you, how do you feel podcasting helps bring more awareness, gender representation, representation for people of color and equity to everyone, both in terms of the the subject of the podcast 
or the guest and the audience? First of all, um, especially as a, a TV writer um, in Hollywood, I think that we are creating a space where we're that 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 has not been filled enough, which is women talking to other women the way women actually do, not because a man wrote it and a man uh, is holding the camera and it's what they imagine, like just how we actually talk to each other. So for women listening, that sounds really familiar. And they and they can recognize a shorthand and they feel invited in in a different way than they might for other shows. Um, and for men listening, it normalizes us as people, as not just a character in their lives, but I mean, it's, it's the Bechtel rule. The Bechtel right? test. I was just about to say yeah, that. The yeah, test. exactly. But like, for so long, women were just characters that affected the story of a man. And you only heard them talk if they were talking about or to a man in a lot of movies and TV shows. And so hearing women talking to each other is, that alone is like revolutionary. That, that alone is practically activism. Um, activism, use, your, use all your syllables, Eliza. So that, um, I, I think that's really valuable. Um, and it, it allows people to open up in uh, a really cool way. In my podcast, we have three hosts, me, Scout Bassett, and Ed Harry. And uh, I am the, the ding dong who's just a comedian and doesn't know anything. But that means that I can ask ding dong questions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, exactly. like, you know, the stuff that another athlete would never even think to ask because they already know the answer. Um, but the people listening might not. And um, Scout is a para-athlete, so she's been there and she, yeah. she knows what our, our athletes have gone through. And Ed has been a, uh, a commentator for forever, so he knows the history on all these, all these stats, all these great moments that he can compare things to. And so between the three of us, they've, they, they know that their career has been respected. Um, they also know that this is just friends hanging out. We're just talking. You yeah. can talk to us like we're friends. We definitely respect you, but we're also going to joke around and you're not going to say something wrong. If you do, we'll edit it out, but you're really not. Um, so just letting people be people, um, I, I, th I think has been great. Because in, our, in our first season, so many of the women especially, I felt like had to present a really put together front polished yes i am successful front. i have i have won over things and i work hard and like while all of that is true it has been so cool to see in the second season people women being a lot more like ah oh, geez i don't know <laughs> and i and i try hard and we're like you do you win and they're like yeah but also one time i tripped and just getting to feel like a whole a whole person i think is is very cool was that the answer absolutely is. absolutely um and before i crystal i want to hear from you in a second but just before we continue for everybody out there listening the bechtel test is um it it's named after a cartoonist allison bechtel and it's uh in media when two women have a conversation between themselves that does not involve a man and actually <laughs> a lot of media does not meet that uh requirement yeah no yeah, it's funny. People think that that's, that it's it's a it's a weird it's such a stigma. Like, oh, you're saying it's terrible because it doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Like, yeah. I'm just saying it doesn't. That pass the just not. Test. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying um, it doesn't. So but it's also kind of it's also bad once you know that 
spectral mm-hmm. test and you're like oh god you can see it everywhere <laughs> the whole yeah, it's, this thing is like so true <laughs> that's the thing like it shouldn't have to be it shouldn't have to be like yeah. uh, like someone like be putting the 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 um the quality on it like oh and, and it means it's bad like you as a viewer everybody should be like oh we're seeing very poorly represented characters slim little strips of imaginary characters if we're not seeing that they have a full life and they have a, right. a full brain and they aren't just they don't just like live in a box and like come to life when a man enters the room <laughs> yeah and i also think that like in that way podcasting really is like shifting culture obviously loads more people not now having access to like listen to stuff which is amazing lots more contents being made but I, you can also see how it's tr- shifting with like younger generations there's been data but also even if i just look at like something like my children if they watch a film they're seven and nearly 11 and there's might not be any people of color in it or like many women for instance they'll be like where are they i don't want to watch this or it doesn't seem that good or like they want to have they want to be able to see different types of like ways of telling stories and different types of people in you know unlikely narrators like they just want to see it i think they just know it feels a bit jarring just like how in a way for me in journalism kind of early on actually maybe just because i was i don't know it's just like natural for me to think in that way maybe my background where i come from whatever but like i would always think it sounds weird when you just see when you just hear the male voice on a new show and just the male voice. And it's not that you're gonna get a woman, as you said, just to shoehorn in, but actually no one's trying hard enough because there are lots of other women, other people who can talk about it. So also like on that, it's sort of lazy, but yeah, just to go back, I think like podcasting is so powerful and I think it is shifting culture because exactly what you're saying, as you say, these things are being made, then they're being turned into telly shows or whatever. People are talking about it and the younger generations and kids are just being like actually this is like dull we've heard it a million times before so that's kind of exciting obviously everyone loves white guys and i hope they continue doing their thing i do personally love them very much like all guys uh, but um just you know we also like need to make space and i think podcasting is doing that quite well yeah well and and i think that's that's so important that what you're saying about um shoehorning things in and and loving guys like yeah that's that, that's kind of what I mean about the Bechdel test. Um, I'm not saying that that's bad. Like saying it would be great to hear more women and hear women talking to each other is not like, and none of that man stuff. Like it's just, <laughs> no, there, you guys have all, there are all these colors, but it's not a full rainbow. Don't you want to have the full rainbow of different experiences? Don't you want to know about all of those things? Um, yeah. So, so yeah. I, I, oh, and yeah. that was and what also, I was saying. Oh, yeah. Just on oh, that, just, oh, yeah. <laughs> just, that's so funny. I was just gonna say, just on your point as well. Like, if you do, if you if you don't want it to be like that, or if representation or whatever that means, that's such a loaded word. But if that's not necessarily important, in a way, that's okay as well. But just maybe be a bit clear about it. I suppose sometimes I have an issue where they're like, "This is wide perspectives," or "This is a global show," or "This is giving you the news," and it's like, "No, you're just giving me the news from like a really narrow perspective." So again, if you want it to be a show where three guys are talking about whatever they're talking three about. Guys I can listen to that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're that a lot. Three guys news. But like, I do love those three guys dad shows. You know, you do. I, what I like, for instance, is where you listen to like dads talking. You know, and that's clear. Like, and they're just doing it. So in a way, like, if you're gonna, don't try and like pretend that you're giving us loads of perspectives when you're not. I think that is my thing. That's exactly. what um, annoys well, me. And, and that was also what I, what I, part of what I was trying to get to with that that wealth of stories that haven't been told. I think that sometimes there's this feeling, like, oh, I guess I have to find some diverse story to tell. 
and it's like, no, you, there, there's a whole section of the library that no one's checked a book out of. Exactly. You get to be, you get to break that. It's not like, oh, boo. It's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. It's a gift. I mean, it's not a good thing that those stories weren't told, but. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's a good it's thing that there are so many stories and, and yeah. it's so exciting in the world, right? And, and you're being and pointed that in leads, that direction. Exactly. And I think that kind of leads to my next question. So, you know, what's some insight that you might both be willing to share with podcasters who want to tell stories from their communities or about their accomplishments or for the unsung heroes that they may have discovered, right? Or who even who even are are just at the beginning of that journey and and want to tell maybe just a different story. Yeah. I would say um put a put a frame around it, put a perimeter around it cuz that's so broad. But if you if you can say I want to tell stories of the people I grew up with or I want to tell stories of what most important thing that um, person has in their in their handbag, or what's what's a tool you use every day, and use that yeah. as a jumping off point, um, and that that can help rein in your story. It'll it'll also help point them in different directions. That's why I did um, cool playlist with all these playlists because I I found that talking to people about their favorite songs and specifically not just their favorite songs, but songs that evoked a very specific emotion and why that emotion was important to them. What is for me a cool way to get to know somebody um, and probably get to know something that isn't the first level. I, as I said, I was talking to comedians a lot. So if I was just like, tell me about your comedy, that's, there's not a lot to do that that's not much new ground right. how long is a piece of string exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um but if i could say what songs would you play to make an entrance into a room that, that is people have very specific answers right away and uh they know and, and, and it's fascinating what different people's answers are for a question like that so i would say give yourself give yourself a gimmick give yourself a little frame to put around that yeah um, I suppose what I would say is, I suppose this goes without saying, like, if someone wants to tell a specific story about a specific like, community, they're, they're excited about it. So first, you, you need to be excited about it. Um, and I also think you have to take time to build relationships. I think that's another thing. And maybe it's a journalistic thing as well, where everyone's like, right, this is deadlines of this. I live off deadlines. So I'm not trying to say I'm not anti that, but you have to take your time. No, she said it. For Crystal lots of does people. not like deadlines. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh my God, no, I love it. If no one gives me a deadline, then you might never get like your your feedback on that edit. So no, that like my whole life is so ridiculously organized like that. But I mean, like if you you have to take your time and don't try and rush everything. Like don't set yourself up with a deadline before you know exactly what the story is going to be. I also think I think maybe you Eliza was talking about this earlier. Like I think it's good when you're saying the framing. You, I'm thinking about it in a different sense. Like also just crunch at what you're trying to do like just do a bit of free writing 500 words and just keep on reducing it's a skill as well um and that's a skill that you should use and it's important as well when you're telling stories like what exactly are you trying to say also be open to tweaking it as well because you might have lots of voices and they say something that's like completely like that you never thought or you'd never heard of or you didn't think about when you're writing your outline or like whatever so be flexible and be do you know what this sounds cheesy but I also think people react really well if you're genuine, actually. Absolutely. And they know you're Absolutely. not being a bit of a scumbag because actually <laughs> so many people are, you know what I mean? So many people just like, or, you know, you can tell if someone, it maybe it feeds into what you were saying when you're talking about being interviewed, which I was really, 
that annoys me, you know, when you say things like that, because people should treat you as a guest. And like, it made me think maybe some people when they're being interviewed, like they know when someone is not being nice or when someone's mm. being dismissive, you know, and you see those news sort of clips, you know, of like a bumbling presenter who hasn't read the brief properly or something. So like, I think, um, you know, people respond really well if you're just genuine and you're interested and you care about like what they're saying. Or I'm not trying to say like you want to say, put, you know, just make everyone come across as perfect when they're not. I'm not saying that, but just treat people with respect. And I think you get it and just always be respectful, even when a guest is being horrible or being a bit rude or they're grumpy. Like it's always important to maintain that professionalism. Um, and then also just seek advice from lots of people. Like, you know, if someone's listening to this and they're like, oh, Liza and Chris sound interesting, like why not try and contact us? Yeah, okay, it might take us like a week or so to like, get back to an email just because we've got 15,000. That's another thing, don't take it personally, but also just like come with your questions like what do you want to know so like ask people who are doing stuff that you're kind of interested in but i think the key thing is it's the relationships and the mm. tape obviously you need people to turn that into an idea in production is a whole different thing but you can get people who've got skills in that the voices you want the voices you need to be able to get those voices to commit to you and believe in you and then you just get amazing tape once you've got great tape there's so many ways to tell a story you know <laughs> so I suppose that's I love how space. excited you are about about finding the different ways like you could just see I love finding you ways to do. you can do so many do you know what <laughs> you can do like um there's so many things that have has not been done mm. at all I, like so I, well, I've got a bank of it's just, just stuff that like before I go to but you know actually now I'm like oh god now I sound like a workaholic I'm not but like ideas come to me all the time they might not necessarily be formed but if I'm someone who's like in the industry and has those of ideas, imagine so many people, which again is why podcasting is good, who like aren't and can see things that I can't see. And there's so many things, even if you think about the drama, for instance, there's so many incredible dramas that you can do. There's so many ways to tell relationship podcasts that we haven't done, dating podcasts that we haven't done. There's so much. And I think that's exciting, definitely. Yeah. Mm. I mean, and just to, to clarify, when I say like, I've been on a podcast where I was not treated like a guest, there are a lot of podcasts out there that are like, debate me, we're oh. gonna debate it. And of course, when they book you, they don't say that. They're not like, I'd like to come on, I'd like you to come on my podcast so I can challenge you um, about your beliefs on you know, bodily autonomy or-, or, or Eliza, I challenge you to an interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, but I, think, like, hey, I think that really want to do this show and you show up and you're like, oh, no, it's one of those. That's so not professional as well. But obviously oh. I knew why they did that. That's what I'm trying to say, where so many people don't really necessarily trust in this thing, because a lot of people when they're booking or journalists or whoever they are, production, like in a way they do, they're sometimes quite desperate and they're like, oh, my God, what can I do just to get them? And it's like, just be honest and you'll be able to get what you want and just keep on working through it. And I think that was probably it. They just wanted to get you. Right. Well, but, and this, and the, the, the related thing is know that when you're booking people, I would think especially women and marginalized people like that they have been in that situation frequently. So they might be a little guarded when you're interviewing them. They might be like, is this going to be one of those things where I get stuff thrown at me and have to see how to dodge it? So that's another reason why I'm like, try to be so welcoming and like, hey, we're gonna be friends. We're not gonna say, no, you're wrong, prove it. We're gonna, we want your perspective. Um, yeah, and I think also, yeah. I mean, there is something to be said for making sure people feel comfortable because I mean, as 
as a host or producer, that's really when you're going to get the gold, right? That's when you're going to, you know, <laughs> in sports terms, that's when you're going to get the gold, right? That's when you're going to mm-hmm. get that amazing, you know, like you were saying, Crystal, when you've got good tape, you can do anything exactly. with it. Um, and I do actually, now is the time I want to hear about Untold Legends Aura. <laughs> we have <laughs> we have reached the full, full circle moment um, because you mentioned a couple yes, of times about the production yeah. timeline and how much work has gone into this show. So, um, yeah. I don't want to ask for any spoilers, but I'm asking for spoilers. <laughs> and so tell us a little bit about what the production has been like and, and what it's been like to, um, we'll, we'll just start there. Tell us a little bit yeah. about what that production has been like, because we're looking at, you know, really high quality production, many, many different facets and aspects, yeah. whether it's sound design, you know, whether it's host tracks, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. God, I'm just trying to think where to start. So it's been like over a year just over a year working on it, but we've kind of factored in over a year, but we factored in obviously because of that, we had like lots of different illness and we've had a lot of that, I suppose. God, I'm just trying to think like where to start. It's just, it's just a whole operation. Um, and you just have to think about a lot. So I obviously run the company and I was exec producing it. So yeah, I'm just trying to think where to like start with. Okay, all of so this. let's you start have- at the point because I, I want to talk next both with both of you about working with BBC because for so many podcasters that's such a big dream. Exactly. Um, yeah. but let's start. Okay, so you said that you know BBC had 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 put out a call and you had submitted yeah. a pitch. You'd won the bid. Yeah. And at that point, where do you start? Just at that walk, point, if you can okay. give us the cliff yeah, notes of course. at this point, yeah, I think people sure. want to know what that sure. process is like. So you have to do a lot of research. We did so much research. Our research was like so deep. It's like unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And it's so great. And I think that's why we were able to tell the stories. But that takes a lot of time, literally going in the weeds of like, as I said, newspaper archives, like interviews, like um, uh, uh, journal articles, but also what people are saying on Twitter, like listening, watching documentaries uh, about similar people. When I say similar, I mean like maybe at the same time or also like looking at the history books, looking at what was happening at the time, like politically as well. Like this is how I think anyway. And then we, and then also you want to get the actors and um, you know how to do that. So firstly, I suppose you do a lot of research, then you need to do like outlines which for people who don't know, it's like rough beats of a story. Like it's TV, right? Eliza, it's kind of a TV yeah. thing. Yeah. And so you kind of write down like how many acts or scenes. You're storyboarding and, like, at that point. Exactly. Right. Exactly. How are you going to tell the story? Um, then you get your tape. Then you start doing scripting. Leo Chorney's, um were involved, tag team-ish in that. And, um, um, and then, you know, you need a fact checker. You need to check with the client. We had a story editor. So like you need to factor in all this. Everyone needs time as well to like feed in, you know? Um, you can't just say to the BBC, you've got 24 hours to like read this 30 page script and give me all your feedback on what you think. So they, so they, the, the client will basically like also be involved in it. Not too much at all, but like they'll question things, which I think you need as well, you know? So um, it's the sort of stuff that you might miss when you're so like in the project. Not that I was as in it as the producers, for instance, but um, I, I'm happy with that. I like that. And they all work in radio and, or, you know, come from radio background. And some of them I've, I've known as well from like when we were like really young. So I'm sort of fine with that and have done a lot of client type work. Um, oh, and also around that time, you're also thinking about um, sound design. So you're getting a composer. Then you're also having additional music, you know, to like what sort of emotions do are we going to portray? You know, this is as I said, it's just like so big. Um, but it's exciting. As I said, it's exciting, but it is a lot. 
but yeah. you just love it you're kind of it's an it's a bit of an addiction i think like working in these kinds of industries like working in sound interviewing people like hearing their stories like as i said sometimes i just get so fed up with journalism i'm like i want to leave you know um <laughs> and that's why i went into the arts but it pulled me back but you know what the reason why it pulls me back is i just love talking to people and finding out these stories and finding out ways to like engage and spotlight and compliment and so yeah that's like the funnest part of it when you see it all to come together and then there's so much stuff about like rights forms contracts lawyers release forms like all this kind of stuff which is also like uh, a huge part of it as well and then trying to keep up with 15 million emails when you've got lots of people sending you messages uh, about it <laughs> but, um, i just realized i sound so grumpy it's not it's great no there, um, it sounds like there's the, so I'm many on the last yeah you just have to there's have so many wheels right there's so many oh, yeah. wheels turning you know at the same time and and when you're you know when when we're listening to podcasts that are of that level of production right it's hard to fathom all of the different aspects that go into the production. So it's so helpful for you to break it down. Because, and host you know, I forgot to mention as well. And then there's like yeah. the host and then there's like negotiation. Because <laughs> so many yep. people are like now signed to like WME and like CCA, CAA. Yeah. And yeah. so there's mm -hmm. the CAA. So there's like all those negotiations. Again, this has been amazing. I've done some of this before, but like not as much as several. So this is how you become like from being like a good journalist to being like exceptional or amazing or, you know, whatever. So um, there's 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 all of that. But the thing is, that's where you get a team, right? That's where you get a team, as you said, who's got their specialisms. And then whenever you need, you just need to also be thinking ahead all the time as well, right? Like, say if that person can't deliver or, or say if there's an issue here or say if the interview doesn't come, you know, you need to then be thinking, okay, how can I sort that out? Would I need to bring in another person to help the team? Do I need to tell the client, look, we need a couple more days? Like, okay, do I really need to seriously have a conversation with this person? Like, do you know what I mean? There's like yeah. so much stuff that you really need to be thinking about. And then as I said, then you're, then there's the talent side, the host side, which is- uh, And you guys have a pretty big host. Yeah, Renee Montgomery. Yeah, yeah, That's she's a right. WNBA champion. She co-runs Atlanta Dream um, uh, women's um, basketball team. And she's an activist, a podcaster. She's fantastic. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely one of those things where the just the level of the production is, you know, just hearing you talk about it, <laughs> there's so many yeah. elements there, right? Whether it's host, whether it's composers, whether it's release forms, whether it's legal. And for, for, for all of us out there listening, you know, it can feel really intimidating, but you didn't start there, right? Mm -hmm. And you had a radio background. So it's something where, you know, just knowing that that exists and knowing that you can uh, work up to that, if that is your goal for your podcast, right? Definitely. Is Definitely. such an amazing thing, right? Just to, and to know that, that all all those elements don't happen in 24 hours. You know, you've been work actively working on the production of the show for a year. That's, I mean, yeah. And not only you, but an entire team of people for an yeah. entire year. And some, like, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not, not, not everyone's necessarily been like full-time, but yeah, exactly. They've, that's, yeah, that's kind of what, how these things kind of work. You do have to, you need to make sure you have a, a solid team because you can't do everything on your own as Eliza and me have known from like Absolutely, you gotta, you gotta stick with your zone of genius. So I wanna pivot yeah. a little bit because you both work on podcasts for BBC and you know, the idea of working with an established public media organization is a dream for so many podcasters. And BBC is really known for their integrity, both within news and also within storytelling. So 
uh, just briefly, because we don't have that many minutes left, and I do, I do want to ask you a couple more questions. <laughs> what have your experiences been working with BBC? Um, for me, it's it's been great. As I said, Joel uh, Hammer approached me, um, and he put everything together, and um, it, he's great. Uh, they've been supportive and flexible, but he he's been the main um, my main contact there. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I, I'm very proud. My, my dad worked for the BBC when, uh, uh, you know, when he was younger. He was oh, like wow. a, a floor manager on top of the pops. And that's so, so cool. Are you serious? On top of the oh, pops? That is so cool. Yeah. You remember a couple of years ago, they like unearthed this Beatles episode that hadn't been seen. Somebody found like a recording that like no one had found. My dad and I were visiting London at the time and that was on the front page of the paper. And he was like, oh yeah, that, that that's the one that I worked on. Um, and I was like, what? Is I, of course amazing. had heard the story since I was a kid. But yeah, he um, he was a stand-in <laughs> for, for the Beatles during a rehearsal and like girls broke in and were like, ah, and they were like, we're not actually them. And they were like, oh no, now we're mad. Anyway. So it was cool for me to to get to work for the BBC. Also, um, yeah, it's been it's been wonderful. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, there's been a couple of different clients. So it's like, well, this is a World Service and Five Live collaboration and uh, and uh, sounds. So also, mm -hmm. there's like little things that like we need to make various different podcasts. Episode one, like in different ways. You know what I mean? So it's like things like that, which are like, yeah. uh, you need to just remember. Um, but so that, so that's been, it's been good. Yeah, it's been fine. I know a lot of the people there. Um, John Manel is great. Um, it's been fine. Yeah, yeah, it's been good. And they've been understanding of like illness and everything. And this is our first big production for BBC. And um, yeah, like I worked there for eight years. Like I respect so much of the institution. There's some Yeah, it must really feel really full circle there. for you to come back. It's really great considering I pitched my idea stance podcast to BBC kind of informally when they were like, oh, it would get otherwise content. Like, no, this was obviously before everyone sort of like woke up to a lot of stuff. So, yeah, in that way, it's like really cool. I'm like, wow, it's not a kind of like, look at me now. It's not even about that. It's just about I knew I was right. <laughs> so you sort of trust in those journalistic instincts of seeing what's going on on the ground. Yeah. So and like, you saw in the industry how podcasting is taking uh, off. Yeah. Yeah, but also just how people were fed up with how narrow everything was after 2008. doesn't matter your political leaning, actually. Mm. I think both sides were annoyed. Um, so, yeah, it's been nice. It's been good. And, yeah, it's been it's obviously been a challenging first project, but I'm glad that I've started in this way because I'm sure it can only get easier for other projects that I do. <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, it's, it's it so sounds rewarding, like it's such an you know, accomplishment. Sound. Definitely. Yeah, it's in, it's incredible. And it's so energetic with like the sports scenes and sports scenes, is that the right term? The sort of tennis, <laughs> basketball scenes. Um, and it really like takes you somewhere. So yeah, it's it, it's been it's been interesting. It's been good working with them. Yeah. Absolutely. You're also, you're also oh, just yeah. so passionate about it. Um, and I think that that is such an important thing for, for, for all of this. Like, like you said, you're the, the idea that you pitched before and this thing, to be able to do the work that you need to do, it can't be something that you're like, I think the BBC might like this. It has to be like, I want to tell this story, me, and I want to tell it exactly. in exactly this way. Yeah. And that that's having that core is uh, it makes for an exciting project. I can't wait to listen to it. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, being that purpose it. driven. No, right. I know. We're all so excited. And um the trailer is actually out and I believe the first episode is August 30th. So, or August 
August 30th. Yeah, the trailer's coming out next week. Um, the, the trailer will be coming out early August, and then a month later, the podcast will be coming out. So but get yeah. ready. This is super exciting. We're all very excited about it. So I want to ask you both um, about some highlights. I mean, Crystal, you can't really share favorite episodes now, can you? <laughs> it's a bit behind lock and key, but um, can you give us any sneak peeks of, you know, moments or even moments in in Aura Washington's journey that just kind of, you know, yeah. blew you away or, or made yeah. an impact? What I can tell you is we do have a picture where she basically, basically she, re- she goes into, re- oh, maybe this is too much. No, I'll tell you, it's fine. She goes into <laughs> retirement and then comes back when she's like much older and smashes it. And there's a picture of her with like younger team members. And she like visibly like just looks so much older, but she came back because I think people were saying that she wasn't good enough or something, which ties into the competitive thing, you know? Um, So that is really great. Um, And yeah, there's a surprise in in Seven. Um, And I think there's lovely bits where we really like paint a picture of what it was like living, for instance, in Philadelphia, which is where she moved from, from the South. And that's how she got into sports, started late as well. So I like that bit as well, where we like paint a picture of like what it was like. And again, like what is really important to me is like what was happening in America at that time as well, not just within the black community, not just within women getting more rights and things like that, um, just generally, you know, because that's another thing as well. Some people are like, oh, if you can do a story about a black person, like you have to focus on everything connecting to being black. Like, no, we can also tell stories and tell it in a really, really wide way of American culture and history through mm. this woman. And so um, that's what you really get. Those are the moments that I like, which really appeal to like my like history and love of, sorry, that's a really annoying noise right now, you can hear. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, why not? You tell other, other stories have been told from other perspectives, why not? tell the story of the world from this perspective also exactly it's, that's yeah. more i think more, more and through the lens through the lens of that. that one person's journey absolutely yeah because it's still you know whatever world events are happening at the time are still going to be relevant they're going to be relevant through the lens of that specific person's journey so i love that you said that i think it's 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 really important in terms of storytelling and factoring that in um Eliza, we've got a couple more minutes. Favorite episodes of On the Podium. Uh, Not to to name your favorite children. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're all so different. And I I, I kind of love them all as a a group because they're so different. You hear such different stories. Um, From from this past season, uh, Raven Saunders was really cool. Um, She's a a, a shot putter. um, And she was very open talking about... um, her some of her mental health struggles and how that led to her making a uh, a real statement on the podium, um, which is tricky to do with the Olympics. They they don't want um, nope. political statements on the podium. Um, so the people who have done that, um, it's mm. it's a it's a fine line that they have to find to express themselves. Um, so I really liked her and uh, yeah, so many people. Yana Pittman last season, um, Oksana Masters. Uh, who is a, a Paralympian in like multiple sports, um, and she she was born in um, uh, uh, Chernobyl, so uh, wow. and, and then adopted into America. She has, I mean, this that, that's the, these stories are chock full of so many fascinating and unique details that like other people have not gone through 
all of the I can't wait to listen to yours. <laughs> I can't wait to listen to yours. And also Chernobyl really quickly, so not relevant. Wasn't that an amazing series as well? Do you remember the series? Oh Chernobyl? yeah, Chernobyl. Wow, so good. Um, anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's a good <laughs> So I actually, I was actually going to ask you both what, uh, you know, my next question for you is what podcasts are you, are you both fans of? I am a big fan of You Must Remember This, which is a podcast about um, uh, history in the, mostly the 20th century, I believe, um, of, uh, of the, the movie industry. And um, the host does a lot of cool stuff with actors and sound cues and, uh, and interesting storytelling stuff and looks at different these older stories through the lens of today so they do feel really relevant um it's not just kind of dusty history um and i also listened to a podcast called this is not a show which is two um male comedians in long beach goofing around and being good friends with each other and unlike a lot of these comedy these podcasts that are just a couple of comedy dudes goofing around they're like really um, sensitive and supportive while also being maniacs. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a cool alchemy that they have found and mm -hmm. I, I find it really funny. So <laughs> the two ends of the spectrum. Nice, Crystal? Yes, yeah, so, oh, this is such a hard one. I like so many and I've got like the most random taste as well. Like, um, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna start with really random actually, I'm gonna shock you. I like one called Vox, which is like, it's an audio porn podcast. And it's really funny <laughs> and it's hilarious. It's French. I feature them on my podcast dance. Uh, it's French. That's really cool. They just it's like 10 minute vignettes of like short stories, erotica type thing, which is like super cool. Um, Dinner for One's one of my favorites, which is again a Parisian based, Bronx born, no, Jamaican born, Bronx raised. Uh, woman who lives in Paris, moved there for love, got married, and then they separated. And it's about how she found uh, like, found herself through the healing power of food. Not like, not in that sort of like, what's that show called again? That show that people like, what's the love, eat, pray, pray not like pray, eat, eat love. love. Eat not love. Exactly, there you go, sorry. Not like that, um, but it's like great. So I like that. I love, um, I really like a lot of the stuff that um, Futuro Studios do. So Loud, History of Reggaeton is awesome. No one's done a real, like a survey of reggaeton in history before, or not even history, it wasn't historic. It was very sort of popular take. I mean, like it was accessible, but no one's kind of really done that. I really like uh, Lemonade's work, I have to say. I I have to say them because I love them and also I work there as well. But I do love their work, which is why I wanted to work there. And they've got a good one called Good Sex, which is so funny and brilliant. And then they also have Last Day as well, which is a, a strand. Yeah. And if you're going to do watch, listen to that, listen to season one, which is about the two founders and why they started and basically why I'm working for the company, the sort of values that they have. This is what I want to get behind and put my energy behind. Um, so I'd say that, 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 oh, and one last one called Short and Curly, which I listen to with my kids, which is a, it's Australian's ethics podcast. And it's hilarious. It's like, should we ban families? Which I think is a really interesting question, actually. Um, oh, can I say another one? Uh, you're wrong about, especially the first season. Very interesting stuff. Where they go back and look at older stories, not that old, like the 90s, and how they were told and how we got yeah. things wrong. Like, yeah, um, you know, cool. even just even just the story of like uh, Anna Nicole Smith or Tammy Faye Baker mm. um, or Acid Rain um, and Shaken Baby Syndrome. And they go mm. back and they're like, we were actually wow. told the wrong things. And the media loved telling it very loudly. Mm. Um, that sounds so good. 
yeah, it's cool. I wrote for Adam Ruins Everything, which does the same thing, but on TV. So when I found this podcast, I was like, yes, this is my shit. Ooh, my stuff. This is my stuff. <laughs> this is my jam. Awesome. Well, <laughs> it's been such a pleasure to have you both here today. Um, I have one last question and then I'll read our brief intro. So, um, Crystal, let's start with you. And I want to ask both of you, what stories are you looking forward to telling in 2022? And Eliza, as you also work in television as well, feel free to just, you know, across mediums. <laughs> I think this is okay. such a hard question because you never know what's going to happen, obviously. I think something that's like natural right now is like, I want to do something about the environment. I want to mm. like work on environmental stuff. Um and again, there's so many lovely, uh, you can even hear so, so many great sounds um, and not that doom and gloom approach, but also like crazy optimistic, which is like not helpful, more like solutions based. So I'm interested in that. Still want to continue doing narrative, what would be narrative, the environmental ones, but like still very much interested in that like, first person narrative, storytelling, big societal topics, but also like love fun, you know, like love fun and love to have a laugh. So anything that involves like having a laugh, not in a mean way uh, or snooty way, I'm on it. So kind of that's what I'm thinking about. And obviously I'm always thinking about drama and acting and like how could you do something really out there and wacky that would like touch a lot of people but that that's it really always think mm. about food stuff but yeah anything um, surrounding food have you watched the julia series on uh, hbo uh no i haven't it's 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 kind of like tv easy listening but in a really satisfying way i I, I, a friend recommended it and I was like, I don't know, I wasn't that into that movie about it and was watching it was like, this is so soothing. Oh, I I'm like this, watching this woman's passionate relationship with eggs. Oh yeah, yeah um, that sounds like everything that I like. So yeah, I've got it, I've just put it now, so I'm gonna check that out. Thank you. Sure. Julia Charles, is it based on her? No. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. story. Yeah, yeah. So it's about Great. her and, and yeah, the, she's the team that she worked with and awesome. her relationship with her husband and all that stuff. Um, as far as what I'm interested in in telling this year, I, I right now I'm working on a project that I, I do annually, which is uh, called the Sammies. They're these uh, awards for public service and um, government work, which is really it's it's a it's a treat for me every year that I get to do this. Um, I, I like the challenge of adding comedy to stuff that is not generally thought of as very comedic, like working for the EPA or uh, the CDC or whatever. I, I, I like making them funny in a way that's, uh, that's fun for people and not like making fun of them. But it's also a great chance for me to learn about things and then highlight things that our government does that's helpful. Because mm -hmm. I feel like I'm inundated with messages about all of the frustrating and yeah, terrible exactly. things yeah, that and are the being political done. landscape and you know the, just the news cycle absolutely yeah. it's nice to celebrate those wins yeah so these stories about people who have devoted their whole careers to taking care of people they'll never meet that that i i really value also i'm in my personal work in in writing i'm really interested in telling stories about um middle-aged about spinsters, about middle-aged single women, because Big I time. feel like the we haven't seen a lot of stories like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's terrorized women <laughs> where they think, oh, I got to find somebody and hold on to them, which I thought of while watching all of these documentaries about um, about love frauds, like about about romance scammers. Like, like a Tinder swindler kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, he's so horrible. Love I can't fraud. stand that, man. Yeah, all of those. I think a key reason that they work is because women 
feel like I have to have a partner. I will, there's no mm. way I can especially have, meet the second half of my life without a partner. And it's so tough. they meet someone and even though there are tons of red flags, they're like, it doesn't matter. I have to hang on to them. And I feel like if we had some more models of uh, uh, golden girls type living oh, and things like that, so then good. people then you could people could relax and be like, oh, I'll be okay. Whatever I do, yeah. And I've I think got the golden options. girls, the golden girls were like what fifty seven or something, fifty eight, yeah. and yeah. J Lo's yeah. like fifty two right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but oh, I mean, wow. we live. There's, yeah, no, it's a weird cultural like, yeah. Yeah, there are tons of ways to live, and they just haven't all been highlighted in mainstream media. So, and so I think there's a lot of room for some of that. That is Absolutely. such a good idea. Wow, that's so good. But Golden Girls, Next thing I know, that. we're going to come back and you two have teamed up. <laughs> sure, I'm up for it. Well, it's been yeah. such a pleasure. Thank you both for joining us. Eliza Skinner of On the Podium and Crystal Genesis of the upcoming Untold Legends Aura. I'm going to read our brief outro and then we will end for today. So thank you everyone for joining us for this live stream, winning at sports and our live panel with BBC podcast featuring Eliza Skinner of on the podium and crystal Genesis of the upcoming untold legends aura. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, storytelling podcast week and podcasting smarter has live stream sessions like this one with top podcasters and storytellers from scripted fiction and nonfiction podcasts from around the world and across our imaginations. We also have exclusive recorded podcast episodes on the Storytelling Podcast Week podcast and the Podcasting Smarter podcast. If you join late or want to have another listen to these amazing podcasters, you can replay this live stream on Podbean's YouTube channel and on our podcasts. We're brought to you by Podbean, and we are a podcast hosting and monetizing platform and home to over 600,000 podcasts. To start your podcast, head over to podbean.com today. Thank you so much for joining us, and stay tuned for next month's live panel. From Storytelling Podcast Week, Podcasting Smarter, and Podbean. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this replay of our live event episode. If you have any questions about podcasting and want to get in touch with the Podbean team, reach out to us at podcastingsmarter at podbean.com. Happy podcasting.